imagine, for example, ice road truckers, right? And you're trying to train them for their first journey out on the ice up north. Yes. And yes. you would have a nice calm scene as they're kind of simulating the drive along the mountain and suddenly hit them with a huge storm. Piers Morgan. Piers Morgan's in the middle of the road. Will you avoid him or not? No, you're going to hit him. Oh, what a shame. <laughs> Smashing Security, Episode 96, Bribing Amazon Staff, and Blinking Deep Fakes, with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security, Episode 96. My name is Graham Cluley. 96. I'm Carol Terrio, but I'm not 96. Oh, right, I see what you mean. Yeah, 96, we're almost at number 100. I wonder what we're going to do for that. Oh, it's going to be very exciting, whatever we do. Which might just be a regular episode, of course, but it depends if we pull our finger out. And we are joined this week by someone who has pulled his finger out. Have you pulled your finger out, David Bisson? I don't even know what that means. Is that British? Yes, it's very much British, and it sounds quite rude to the North American ear. It sure does. It actually isn't rude. Anyway, David, thank you for joining us. Uh, You're welcome. You are... You are a security writer supremo. Of course, you've been on the show a number of times before. And always keeping your thumb on the pulse of what's going on out there, aren't you? You and your thumb screen. That I am doing. <laughs> well, if you put your thumb on your pulse, you get two pulses. So that's a, you're definitely not a medical person. Oh, there you are. So some medical advice from Smashing Security this week. That's, that's good to, <laughs> I think we should go to our sponsors. Hey Graham. Hello. Hello. I need some advice. I need some advice. I use a cloud service. I put all my files and data up there, and I'm kind of nervous about prying eyes looking at it. Any advice? Yeah, you've got to encrypt it. Before I load it up? Well, I would recommend so, because any file which you put on Dropbox or Google Drive or OneDrive or those other cloud services, it could be accessed by that company or indeed law enforcement or any hacker who broke into your account. So what I would recommend is use a piece of software like Boxcryptor. It's what I run on my computer. And any file, before it gets uploaded to those cloud services, gets encrypted with my own keys, which I control. So the cloud service itself can't see the contents of the files which I'm putting on the cloud drive. It's all encrypted. Cool, I'll check it out. Go to boxcrypta.com and thanks to Boxcrypta for supporting the show this week. Well, chaps, an interesting security story arrived on my desk this week, which was from the Wall Street Journal, which is reporting that Amazon employees are being bribed to do naughty, naughty things like leaking sensitive corporate data. And they're doing it... Well, I've just said they're bribed, aren't they? (laughs) I am very happy that you're covering the story because I've read the headlines on this, but I didn't get into the weeds. And uh, so I'm very excited to learn about what exactly... I want to know how they're being bribed. Yes, enlighten us. Well... Pull up your sports slacks, and I will take you into the weeds right now and tell you you what is going on, Kroll. Amazon staff, particularly in China, are alleged to have been selling user information and other confidential material to independent merchants on the platform. So 
what this is, is there are around about 2 million independent companies who are selling their stuff via Amazon because the okay. whole world goes mm-hmm. to Amazon to buy absolutely everything. So lots of companies think, well, we, we will get on the Amazon bus and we will sell stuff via it, right? Yeah. yeah. Now, Amazon workers are said to have been offering to delete negative reviews and restore banned accounts in exchange for cash. What, like calling them what? up and going, hey, hey, Johnny. <laughs> Johnny, hey, hey, Johnny, you, Johnny, give me two grand and I'll, I'll, I'll wipe that out. I'll wipe it out completely. <laughs> yeah. No more negative review. Yeah, I, I did say they were in China, didn't I? But anyway, you're, you seem to be doing some sort of, sort of, some sort of accent. Hey, hey, hey Jimmy Blue Eyes, right? You're doing that kind of. You're doing that kind of. Hey, Freddie Fingers, what are you doing here? But anyway, yes. Yeah, so what they're doing. So what's happening is there are intermediaries. There are bad guys out there. Right, who are approaching Amazon staff and saying, oh, we could put you in touch with some people who can give you some money because of the special access which you have. And Amazon employees in China, surprise, surprise, have relatively small salaries. And so they might be rather tempted to take the risk. I think a lot of people would argue that everyone who works yeah. at Amazon doesn't have a very big salary, mm. except for those at the very, yes. very top. Je- Jeff yes. Bezos not doing too badly, is he? Well, in exchange for payments ranging from about 80 US dollars to more than $2,000, these brokers in Shenzhen, China, are offering internal sales metrics so you can find out how your uh, competitors are doing. So if you are selling, for instance, a uh, pet fountain to keep your cat watered, um, you might think, oh, you know, we're not selling as well as that other deluxe model over there. Well, you can get the details of exactly how many it's selling and indeed the email addresses of people who've left these reviews. And you the could even, email addresses, so you could basically troll them? Right, so you could contact them and say, hey, I saw that you wrote this very nice review of this competing pet water fountain. Wouldn't you prefer to do one for us? And we will give you a pet water fountain. After all, you can never have more than enough. You, know, no. you can never have enough. I would love to have fountains. many pet fountains Yeah, in exactly. my house. Exactly. <laughs> so, and you can say, look, we'll, we'll give this to you for free. And they're also offering to delete negative reviews as well. Hmm. Amazon says that this is obviously very, very naughty indeed and is against their terms of employment and they will take action against any staff who they catch doing this. Is it really, really naughty or is it kind of in that grey zone? Because it's not like they're putting said, you know, item to the top of the list or forcing people to see it first. Well, if they start to share information about how different products are performing on Amazon and if you start to game the review system it may be that all those bogus reviews would push you higher up in the charts and you would sell more suddenly when I go to Amazon quite often I will think well I don't know which of these to buy I will sort by the number of reviews and see oh look this one's got loads and loads of five star reviews for instance therefore it has to be good because on the internet you trust people who are complete strangers mm. right it's, it's a bizarre <laughs> this guess, bizarre phenomena i guess you're right it is a, it is a kind of misinformation isn't it you're manipulating the information that should be out there naturally now amazon of course says that this sort of behavior is completely against their terms of employment if they catch anyone who's doing anything like this well it's going to be a disciplinary matter isn't it i mean they're they're going to kick them out and potentially take legal action against them as well and if they determine that any merchants are trying to game the system they could find themselves permanently banned which you know i think for many well you know i think for many businesses that would be pretty damaging to no longer be able to use amazon to sell their products 
I suppose. But isn't it? It's these brokers, right? There's these. It seems there's brokers that work for Amazon employees. So what? This is like a whole underground business. Yeah, I think there are people who've seen this opportunity and are basically putting these two groups together, the merchants and the people who actually work in Amazon, because one group have some money and the other group have right. information and data. Yeah. So it, there's a transaction which will take place and the brokers obviously will get their percentage and presumably are doing quite well out of it as well. Yeah. Where's the security angle in all this? Well, there's obviously a data leak which is going on. And by the way, I need to stress, this is not regular Amazon users who are losing their data. I have someone contact me saying oh you know i'm really worried about this has amazon lost all my information has it lost my credit card details no 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 no. it's not that kind of data which is coming out it's more metrics it's more details about the reviews and potentially the messing around with the reviews as well but it's a good reminder for all of us that not all data leaks occur because a hacker has broken into your business right mm. um so quite often, uh, a data breach can occur not because of an external hacker, but because of internal staff. It's these people you've already granted access to your sensitive data to, the people you're actually trusting, you've given accounts to, so they don't need to fish for passwords, for instance. They might be tempted to exploit their access to that data for financial gain. Yeah, so, you yeah. know, if you if you don't pay your employees well or you don't treat them well, surely they're more motivated to find out some more sneaky ways to... It's it's certainly going to be tempting, isn't it? Mm. And uh, yeah, it all comes down to trust, um, whether you can trust your employees or not to behave appropriately, as well as having internal controls in place as well mm-hmm. uh, as to what's being accessed. Another interesting thing, though, should you trust any Amazon reviews? When I look at items on Amazon, they're nearly all five-star or they're one-star. Right, You don't mm. sort of get any in-between reviews. Yeah, because if something's okay, you're not motivated to go to the site. Right. You're only going exactly. to the site unless you're going, it's brilliant, or, right. oh my God, it's so crap. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. And there is clearly quite a market going on. There's quite an underground sort of activity in, in terms of creating fake reviews. And earlier this month, the Mail on Sunday, a British newspaper, um, <laughs> talked... Needs yeah, no introduction. Yes, exactly. They... <laughs> they described a Facebook group which they had found called Amazon UK Reviews, which offers 10,000 items to its 8,000 members on Facebook. So using that Facebook group, the newspaper posed as a buyer, and they contacted a seller advertising some aviator-style sunglasses for about £20. And the merchant asked the uh, Mail on Sunday reporter to order a pair on Amazon, and they said you will get a full refund after you've given us a five-star review. And they even offered to pay the £2 post and packing as well. So nice way to get some free sunglasses. And it appears that thousands and thousands of people are making use of this service. Not just for sunglasses, but you know, thousands and thousands of other items. You don't know that they're being financially motivated to do this. Oh, no, you don't realise at yeah. all. I mean, I think if you are given a, a free item... Uh, and then review it. You're supposed to say, you know, I got this item for free on the basis of providing an independent, unbiased review or something like that. But I'm sure lots of people don't do that. Another seller in China asked the reporter to plant a question about the noise produced by their pet water fountain. Now you know why I was mentioning it. And it was sort of a leading question, obviously, because they wanted to answer it and say, oh, yes, of all the pet water fountains on Amazon, ours is the quietest. And the most uh, soothing. And there was another firm which said, look, we'll sell you a £21 snorkel, but we'll give it to you for free 
if you post up a positive review and include a photograph of yourself with the snorkel to make it look more authentic. So there are lots of fake reviews, it seems. So Amazon says that less than 1% of the reviews on its site are fake. So one in a hundred. That's what Amazon says. But how would Amazon know whether they are fake? There is an organization called Review Meta. They have a website which analyzes the authenticity of reviews. Again, I'm not sure quite how they determine it. And they say that some products have got thousands of fabricated bogus comments. I'm not so, surprised by that. I'm, I, I don't think anyone is going to be really surprised by that. I don't think anyone goes to Amazon and thinks these are all true. Well, perhaps not, but certainly I, I'll put my hand up. You know, I am influenced by the number of reviews and the average rating of a product when I decide what to buy. And I'm sure many yeah, other people right. are as well. You, you do tend to go in and go, just show me the five stars. Yeah. And show me, and in your case, the most expensive. <laughs> <laughs> now... I, this got me thinking, Crow, because um, it's always nice to have reviews of the podcast, isn't it? Well, yes. Do you think uh, any of our reviews are fake? Absolutely not. Have you paid well, anyone for a review? Well, I, 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 <laughs> I might have twisted the arm of some relatives occasionally. Oh, or really? Pe- people down the pub or at the chess club said, look, you know, maybe That's you could review so, the but, but in your case, it's commitment? <laughs> <laughs> to the cause. I just think it's for the greater good, Crow. The the the, the well, ends. The ends. Yes. What is it? The ends yeah. justify the means. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's, exactly, that's what yes. a lot of shady people say. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not offering money yet. Not offering money. No, oh, because you're, you're too you're too tight. <laughs> Who have I partnered with? David, what's your story for us this week? What's that? Did you hear that? Yes. That was crazy. Are you okay, David? David, are you all right? He did say the weather was a bit bad out there to me earlier on. David? Where'd he go? I think we've lost him. I hope he... Okay, so Slightly worrying. Okay, we'll be back in a moment. Due to weather conditions where David is based, I'm afraid we uh, have to interrupt his broadcast at this point and carry on a deux. Yes, he is all right, everybody at home, but his internet connection, not so good. Thank God he wasn't in, you know, North Massachusetts, (laughs) one of the exploding houses. What's that? Oh, read about it. It's just a gas failure where houses were actually exploding. Oh, crikey. Okay. Well, on that bombshell, um, I suppose without David for the rest of the show, I guess uh, we've never had half a guest before. I guess, Carol, what's your story for us this week? So my story is a confession rather than a story, actually. Oh, oh good. Fine. <laughs> this is what I wanted to hear. Excellent. So I'm deeply, deeply uncomfortable with this whole concept of deep fakes. Oh, Yes. In case some of our listeners are not up to speed on this AI-powered manipulation, please allow me. Best way to think about deepfakes is fake news but turned up to 11. And it's a really new phenomenon. It only kind of started in late 2017, where people began buzzing online about using deep learning algorithms 
to swap faces in videos. I think Maria spoke about this in one of our early episodes on Smashing Security. She did. It's really convincing, isn't it? Some of these videos when they swap the faces or swap the voices. Well, that was quite a while ago and things have come on leaps and bounds since then. So we're talking really realistic face swapping here. Like it's hard to detect it isn't real. Like people are agog at how eerily accurate the lip syncing was. So, for example, you could take someone like Dorothy in Wizard of Oz and replace her with Donald's mug and quiff. But then, you know, then, but she'd, I guess he'd have really tiny, soft little hands, wouldn't he? And that- <laughs> I think you're fine, Carol, that Donald Trump is already in The Wizard of Oz, but he's playing the part of the cowardly lion. <laughs> they do look quite similar. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but there is a... No, the cowardly lion is a lovely, lovely person who just is a bit insecure, <laughs> not some... Well- Dot, dot, dot. Well, I don't know if the Cowardly Lion has bone spurs and that prevented him from going to the Vietnam War um, about 30 years after the movie was made. <laughs> what? Okay, I'm just thinking, what would the Cowardly Lion do in, the, in a war? Probably hide in Iowa or something <laughs> like that, I would think. <laughs> Upstate New York. I don't, I don't know. Where, where would he have? The Cowardly Lion would never be in a war. No, but he might be, and they might try and conscript him. Yeah, it's okay. True, true, true. Yeah? Um... However, you digress. <laughs> oh, pardon me. So, so people started kind of doing these face swapping thing. And as with everything on the internet, it kind of started going a bit too far, like in a crazy <laughs> serious way, where people were actually face swapping celebrities and replacing porn actor faces while they were doing their thingy on the films, if you can call them that. <laughs> Now, this caused all kinds of shame and confusion. And this was all in the name of shock and giggles, right? Um, but not everyone found it funny. Even Reddit decided to get rid of its deepfake subreddit, classifying it as a form of involuntary pornography, and even updated the rules on explicit imagery and consent. And you know something has become particularly tasteless when Reddit bans it from its site, don't you? You really know that you've stepped over the line at that point. <laughs> well, yeah. yes, I would agree with that. Now, researchers, however, said that there was one problem. There was one flaw in deep fakes that even right. the average person would be able to notice and pick up. And that is mm-hmm. the lack of blinking. Oh. And honestly, when I heard that, I was totally relieved because then at least there was a tell, right, that I could spot and go, oh, okay, look, he hasn't blinked in four hours. Must be, you know, must be a fake. But they could probably swap the face of a celebrity wearing sunglasses, and then you wouldn't know if they ah, were you see, girl. you see. Then, but I would be onto that. I'd be like, I can't see his eyes. I can't see your eyes. <laughs> so it seems already, though, that's now yesterday's problem. Over the summer, two pieces of research, one a collaboration from Stanford and Bath universities, shows that anyone can be the source actor and have their facial expressions transferred onto another person in video. It would be like a video of you, Graham, with the expression mm. of, say, Piers Morgan mashed into your Ugh. digital self. Oh, the thought of Piers Morgan being mashed into me. That is, that is quite vile, I have to <laughs> say, yes. I don't think anyone wants to see that. And I certainly don't want to be present when it happens. And, you know, it, it, <laughs> so it even gets worse than that. Researchers from... No, it can't get worse than <laughs> wait, that. Wait, wait. Researchers from Carnegie Mellon seem to have figured out a way to automatically transfer the style of a person to another. 
all what? without input alignment or manual supervision, which is basically tech mean? talk to say they have made it a bit easier to do this. Now, look, I have a video and uh, you can talk us through it if you want, Clue. You want me to click on the link? Yeah. Am I about to get Rick rolled? No, Rick roll, I promise. Okay, okay, I'm, I'm clicking on it here. Uh, I'm see. Oh, it's John Oliver and Stephen Colbert, and they seem to be making the same facial movements. They're saying the same thing at the same time. John Oliver on the left is the real one. Stephen Colbert is yes. just mimicking him completely. Oh, here we've got Martin Luther King and Barack Obama, and have you noticed something that I mentioned already? They're blinking. They're blinking. They are blinking. Very, very lifelike. I, Extraordinarily so. I know. And apparently, you know, the thing that I keep worrying about here is, again, why is it that seemingly smart and good people representing big, good institutions are working on things like this? Who's funding this research? Well, yeah, I mean, what is the actual point? What is the point of doing this, right? Yeah. There, there are researchers and students or whoever who's working on this, professors and millions of pounds. Is, is there a function for this? Is there some positive outcome? Is this to make movies better in Hollywood or what, what's the, I don't That know. seems to be one of the big plugs for this, right? So in one exercise, for example, the Carnegie researchers collected the video data of various wind and cloud conditions, right? So like a calm day or a windy day. And then they converted a calm day into a windy day and a windy day into a calm day using their approach without modifying the aesthetics of the place. And they were able to do this with sunsets. So in other words, you can digitally manipulate the weather, which could prove useful for things like movies or maybe training, right? I was trying to think what else would be good for, like schooling. So, you know, training drivers or mountaineers or weather forecasters. Oh, okay. Like if you're in a simulator, just to stress, well... What 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 you're describing is some way of of making it appear to be something in a movie or in some sort of digital. You're not actually changing the weather, are you? Because <laughs> that would be cool. That would be the kind of thing that I think they should be doing research into. I mean, imagine, for example, someone is responsible for a huge like ice road truckers, right? And you're trying to train them for their first <laughs> journey out on the ice up north yes, and yes. you you would have a, a nice calm scene as they're kind of simulating the drive along the mountain and suddenly hit them with a huge storm here's morgan <laughs> here's morgan's in the middle of the road will you avoid him or not no you're gonna hit him oh what a shame <laughs> so i don't know i don't know if it bugs me more today because of course the u.s midterms are almost upon us and candidates are heating up their campaigns, right? And the idea of realistic deep fakes, as well as fake news, just to try and spread more misinformation at a time where people are trying to decide how to vote is deeply troubling. Yes, because people are so people are so uncertain as to what to believe right now. Right? Mm -hmm. If you see it with your own eyes, you know, you say that he said this or that, but if someone, I mean, it's sort of a James Bond plot really, isn't it? But if someone was to take a video of a top politician and use deep fake technology to have them saying something which they never said or doing something which they never did. Exactly. And who's going to believe the media that's saying, no, no, it's a fake. It's a fake. When you have loads of media going, no, right. it's real. Or if the movie footage was real then that politician might say, well... It's a fake, course, obviously. It's a deep fake, obviously, isn't it? It's extraordinary. You know what? You, you know, soon, deep fakes may be so realistic 
that we may have to depend on AI to detect the deep fakes. Oh, for goodness. And in the meantime, though, we need to adapt to the idea that the lines between reality and the fake are completely blurred. Like seeing is no longer believing. Okay, my brain hurts now. (laughs) (laughs) It does. My brain hurts. My heart hurts. Crow, this is horrendous. The whole world's going to hell. I wonder if millennials and, you know, Gen Z would kind of think, well, I don't trust anything anyway. You'd be crazy to trust anything. Maybe we're the last generation who had any kind of real trust in in things outside our circle. All right. Okay, well, let's not have it said that smashing security is not educational. Uh, Graham, one more thing. You'd mentioned Boxcryptor earlier. Yes, yes. About price, is it super expensive? Oh, no, it's free for non-commercial use. Um, And if you have a company and want to take advantage of some of the enterprise features, and obviously you spend a little bit of money, but they have licenses as well. It's encrypted before it reaches the cloud, works with lots of cloud services, and it's cloud security made in Germany. That's cool, isn't it? You Boxcryptor. Boxcryptor.com. Go and check it out. And welcome back. And you join us on our favourite time of the show. Part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. I'm just pretending to be David. Pick of the Week is the part of the show where everyone chooses something they like. It could be a funny story, a book that they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, a podcast, a website, or an app. Whatever they like. (laughs) It doesn't have to be security-related necessarily. It definitely should not be security-related. Well, mine is not tangentially security related, but not really. Eek. Okay, go for it. My pick of the week is the Bitcoin price prediction tracker. <laughs> wow. And this hangs out at a website called Burcoin, B-I-R-Coin, dot top. And the reason why it's called Burcoin rather than Bitcoin, by the way, is because it is all about a tweet which John McAfee made a while ago, where he misspelt Bitcoin and called it Burcoin instead. (laughs) John McAfee, back on July the 17th, 2017, made a bet. And he said that one single Bitcoin would be worth $500,000 within three years. Mm -hmm. And he later revised that bet, saying that one Bitcoin would actually be worth $1 million by the end of 2020. And he said if it isn't worth a million dollars by then, he would, quote, Eat his dick on live TV. Wow. Charming. He must, be, he must be quite well endowed to be able to do that. I think he would chop it off first, Crow. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't think... Oh, I, I was... Okay. Yeah. Wow. I don't think he meant and that. Some of us would probably think it'd be... What? I what don't do mean you, to be what? rude, but I think... What do you... <laughs> I don't think... I don't think he literally meant it like Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh, I did. <laughs> okay. I, I I would not have thought that at all. I imagined he'd be putting on a napkin and a knife and fork. If you think of other genders and um, the elements that make those genders those genders, you could use that verb with certain elements. So are we seriously <laughs> talking about this during pick of the week? Can I get to my pick of the week, please? Rather, just, just all right. Doesn't matter exactly how he's because he's obviously not going to do it either way because he's John McAfee, I'm right? Just trying it's to a be load fun. of old. Don't be all it's yelly. a. It's a. Okay, it's just a load of old nonsense, right? Which he said. But the question on everybody's lips, as it were, 
is, is he losing his bet? Well, the Bitcoin price prediction tracker can tell you, because if you go to that link, burcoin.top, it will show you whether he is losing his bet or not. Because, of course, to get up to $1 million by the end of 2020, you would expect it to be going somewhere along the route already. And so what the website does is it tracks where you would expect <laughs> the price of Bitcoin to be right now and where it actually is. So according to his prediction, the price of Bitcoin should currently be $17,692. Yeah. But at the time of recording, it's actually $6,377. So he is 210 days currently behind schedule or schedule. And when and, and how long how long does he have? He's got another hundred days or so, hundred forty days. Uh, oh no, he's got a bit longer than that. He's 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 got until the end of twenty twenty. Oh, end of twenty twenty. Okay, sorry. Yeah, to reach one million dollars. But frankly, he ain't doing too well no, at the moment. No. So I like to keep track of this because I I like to set the TiVo in order to record the TV and make sure that in case I'm not in um, whenever this happens. Um, and uh, I think this is a great use of the internet as well as a good way of uh, seeing how the Bitcoin price is going, which frankly isn't that good at the moment. Why do you have And that is why it is. I do have some Bitcoin. Oh. Yes. Although I, it turns out it's worth somewhat less than it was when I bought it. <laughs> but that is why it is my pick of the week interesting pick of the week tm carole what is your pick of the well week? my pick of the week is for budding cooks graham oh yes even for advanced cooks actually so i cook a lot and there's a million zillion websites out there that offer up recipes and yes some of them a lot of them if they're not gross they're not great so i am going to offer a few websites hmm. that i've used a lot uh, I cook a lot. I know these are good sites. I got my the, my seal of reliable food advice. <laughs> so these have actually been endorsed by one of the co-hosts of Smashing Security as being excellent recipe cooking websites. Well, this is fantastic. So you got three of them, right? All right, let's hear them. Let's hear them. Ready? Number one. It's called Serious Eats by Kenji Lopez. This guy uh, sharpened his knives at Cook Illustrated in America's <laughs> Test Kitchen. And he runs this food blog called Serious Eats. And everything's really well researched, big on flavor. And he also has a book out called Food Lab, which I own and I think is an excellent book. Number two. All right. Number two. Number two. Felicity Cloaks, How to Make the Perfect Whatever. This is for the Guardian newspaper. Uh, she's an author of six cookbooks, won awards, food awards, such as a Food Journalist of the Year. And she carries this series in The Guardian of How to Make the Perfect X, so whatever it be, like a Spanakopita or fish tacos. And she researches loads of recipes first and mashes the best bits up with cooking smarts. Sorry, did you say Spankutopia? Spanakopita. What is that? It's like a spinach dish with phyllo pastry on top. It's quite nice. It's Greek. It's very good. Oh, yeah, I, I, I know what it is. I was just asking for our audience in case they didn't. Oh, know. really? Really? Yeah. Okay. Mm. You're just testing me, I think. And for those that like sweets, I think a great website is called The Joy of Baking. This is run by Stephanie Jarowski. She has been around. She's been running the site since 1997. And she is like a real home baker who knows her stuff. And she's got videos. She's like the American Mary Berry. But I don't know. She's pretty cool. Is she Gen X? <laughs> no, she's not Gen X. She'd be. She's. Well, maybe she is. Maybe that's unfair. Could be. Yeah, she could be could Gen be. X. Because you're almost 50, aren't you? 
And on that bombshell, <laughs> we just about wrap up this very special episode of Smashing Security. <laughs> we will send a Red Cross food parcel to David Bisson to make sure that he's all right and survive in whatever bizarre weather system he's got out there. And uh, if you want to follow David, I do happen to know that you can follow him on Twitter at DMBisson, B-I-S-S-O-N. And you can follow the Smashing Security Show as well on Twitter at Smash In Security, no G. Twitter wouldn't allow us to have a G. Yep. And you can also, it's a good idea, by the way, to follow us on Twitter because occasionally we tweet out special offers for our online store, such as 20% off vouchers. Line up, guys, go, line up. <laughs> because if you want mugs and t shirts and stickers and things like that, do. which you almost certainly do, uh, go to smashingsecurity.com slash store where we give away everything at cost price. We don't make a penny out of it. Um, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining me, Crow. You're very welcome. Thank you for having good weather at your place. My pleasure. Mm. If you like the show, rate it on Apple Podcasts. Please do. It makes such a difference to my day after having to do one of these. (laughs) And in fact, why not subscribe to the show so you never miss a future episode? It'll be downloaded to your device and we'll feel a warm glow inside our bellies. Until next time, cheerio. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. I was just surprised you thought he was talking about fellatio. He's thinking about yes. You think he means? I don't think he is. I've never read it like that. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that you're right. Well, I don't know. Maybe he, maybe he is saying that. Maybe you're right. Maybe we should do a poll on Twitter. <laughs> maybe we should ask. What does he mean by eating a yes. dick? Is he going to cut it off? Will he be getting his napkin out? So these are going to start doing some serious yoga. Well, he is into yoga. Well, there, there you go. I've got. He it used covered. to run a yoga retreat. Look, you guys are just fooled. All he's going to do is show off, and you're going to be like totally. <laughs> oh yeah. He's going to be laughing his way. Well, he won't be laughing, I suppose, if he's busy. <laughs> <laughs> it could be dangerous. Take your false teeth out first.